Okay, we're in Lesson 7. We're going to be looking at Chapter 5. Many of you have heard of the Proverbs 31 woman. Is that correct? Everybody heard of a Proverbs 31 woman? Well, we're going to talk about the Proverbs 5 woman today. Proverbs 5 woman. This is not someone you want to emulate. Okay, this is not someone you want to be like. And ultimately, though, I'm not picking on you ladies because really what we're going to study here today really is not just concerning ladies, although that's the, the issue of the seductress is a female. But really the principles are across the board, whether it's a female or a male, because it could be a seductor. You know, I'm saying it could be someone, a male, not necessarily a female. But there are some general principles here that we're going to look at, especially as we look at the whole issue of avoiding the disaster of adultery. And many times, Solomon will talk about this issue, especially in the first nine chapters. He's already briefly talked about it before. He's going to talk about it here, and he's going to talk about it a couple more times through chapter 9. And this is a very real issue. This is a very real issue when Solomon lived. Now, remember, now this is about 3,000 years ago when he wrote this. This is an issue that humankind, mankind, has struggled with continually. Now, it's especially important for you and I because we now live in a culture that says adultery is okay. That might as well do it, don't worry about it, enjoy life, who cares? Now, have you ever noticed, if you pay attention to the news, have you ever noticed that the people who advocate that, whenever they're betrayed, their attitude changes? Do you see my point? It's one thing to advocate it, but then when it happens to you, you're, you just kind of, it kind of, your, your attitude changes because really what we're talking about here is something that is morally wrong. And so let's take a look at it and see exactly what Solomon is warning his son and then ultimately what he is warning you and I concerning the issue of adultery. So let's look first of all to verses 1 to 6, the warning to avoid seduction. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding, that you may preserve discretion, that your lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey. Her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lay hold of hell. Lest you ponder her path of life, her ways are unstable. You do not know them. Okay, so let's take a look here. First of all, again, verses 1 to 2. As, as always with everything we've looked at, there's an exhortation to listen. And so, Solomon urges his son to listen to the words of his instruction. In fact, he goes so far and he says, look, pay attention, he says. Pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding. 
See, now Solomon's going to get ready to share with something, share with him something that he has an understanding of. He's getting ready to share with him something that he has an understanding of, and that is the whole disaster of adultery. Now, why would Solomon have an understanding of that? Anybody? Well, yeah, he had wives, though. Okay. Concubines. Okay, but they were considered a form of wife. But there's more than just that, though. Why do you think he has an understanding of the disaster of adultery? His father and his what? Mother. Yeah, see, from Bathsheba, because that's, that's his mother, and that was his dad, and he would have known firsthand the disaster of that entire relationship. Maybe he heard regret on his mother's part for taking part of it. Maybe he saw firsthand the devastation, because Second Solomon is very clear in the devastation that took place in David's life because of what he had done. So when he's saying to his son here in verse 1 and 2, listen, pay attention to me. Give heed to my understanding. He's literally saying, guys, son, or you and I, listen, I'm speaking from one who knows about this subject, who understands this subject completely. Completely. Now, Bruce, I agree. It takes an idiot to have a thousand wives, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? You know, so maybe that was where he lacked wisdom, is what we should say there. But here he's trying to talk about the whole issue of listening to his instru- instruction. Now, I want you to notice the nature of seduction. The nature of seduction. We see it in verses 3 to 6. First of all, the nature of seduction is, first of all, the false appearance. The seductress flatters with her charm. Notice how she's described here in verse 3. For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. Now, he's not just talking, before you picture a woman with honey dripping out of her mouth, or, or her lips smoother than oil, what is he really talking about here? It's a word picture. She's smooth as far as what? Yes, talking and flattering. It's a woman who knows how to, how to really what? Charm? There's another word for it. Manipulate, deceive. There's another word, because sometimes we see teenage girls do this. Flirt. She knows how to flirt. She's very flirtatious. So, here's a woman who puts on a false appearance. Who puts on a false appearance. Who puts on a false appearance. And But then notice, I want you to notice verse 4 to 6 tells us the reality of who she is. While she may appear wonderful. Here's the reality of who she is. Look at verse 4 to 6. Solomon tells us first this. Beneath her charm is corruption. Beneath her charm is corruption. Listen to this, verse 4. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. In the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Beneath her charm is corruption. You know what? I have been pastoring now as a pastor since 1995. And, you know, I've been involved in ministry for probably 18 years. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. 
in that time of pastoring, I have met men. And I've had men who maybe had been married once, but they left their wife for another woman. And then, you know, of course, a divorce resulted, and then they got married. I cannot tell you the number of times I've had men come to me and say how much they regretted leaving their first wife. How much they regretted being with the person they're with now. Because where they were first looking at the charm or the beauty, think of one case where the woman was very beautiful, when they got married to them, they realized that it was all surface. And that, in this one instance, that beneath that beauty and charm was a head case with some major problems. And how they regret it. How they regret it. Because here's what happened. You know, there's an interesting book out, guys, that I would encourage you to read. It's called Every Man's Battle. And in it, he talks about the issue of physical attraction to men and so forth. Men are attracted to women and they like blanks. When you first see a woman, you have a lot of blanks. You don't know very much about them. You just know the surface stuff. But then when you fill in the blanks of who they are, when you fill in the blanks of who they are, the attraction disappears. When you begin to really realize who they are. When you begin to really realize who they are. And see, that's what Solomon is saying. Her lips are like honey. They're smooth with oil, but she's bitter as wormwood. She's like a two-edged sword. Hey, can I be honest with you? I'm not just talking about guys here. Ladies, there are some flattering guys, aren't there? There are some guys that maybe look your guy, make your guy look like he's just a schmuck. A lazy bum, can't pick up his underwear around the house. You know what I'm saying? And he just looks, he just looks good. You maybe even see how he is with his wife. But again, it's all appearance. It's all appearance. Beneath the surface, it's what he calls wormwood. Bitter. 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 In fact, he goes one step further here and he tells us in verse 5, her feet go down to death, her steps lay hold of hell. The seductress lifestyle is the pathway to death. The pathway to death. Here's the first indication that you and I need to understand about the disaster of adultery. It always results in ruin. You may even want to write that down in your book. Adultery always results in ruin. Adultery always results in ruin. And here, the death does not necessarily mean death in a, a genuine sense. It can, because it might be death that results from disease, or in this case, death that results from a jealous husband. But it can also picture a ruined life. More than likely, it conveys those real consequences, that is, death. But it can be a ruined life. I'll be honest with you. Adultery ruins lives. Adultery ruins lives. It destroys families. It destroys people. It destroys reputations. 
It destroys ministries. Ministries? You know, it's interesting. There's a current movement in our culture today, our Christianity church culture, that says if a pastor falls to adultery, he should be allowed to get back in the pulpit. But every instance where I have seen of a pastor who has succumbed to adultery, even when they get back into the pulpit, they are never the same again, ever. Their ministry is never has the same blessing again. The Spirit of God does not communicate through them as it has before. See, what Solomon wants us to understand is, is that she may be flattering or he may be flattering, but she's bitter. He's bitter. But there's also the reality of what? The result is death. In some form. And that, my friends, is the nature of seduction. But listen, is that what, is that what the world says? What does the world say? If it feels good, do it. What else? Whatever. Have fun. Enjoy life. You only go around once. But if you notice that the world, when it tells you to do the stuff that's wrong, never tells you what it will cost you. The world will never tell you what it will cost you. The world will never tell you the pain that will result from it. Because the world just wants to overlook it. But the reality is, you've seen it. My friends, let's be honest. A lot of you here know people who have, who have succumbed to this. Chances are you know someone. And as you look at their life, do you see happiness? No. No, not at all. Just pain. Pain and devastation. So then we get to verses 7 through 14, and he gives the warning now to avoid this. He's made the case now to help us to understand that you need to avoid this. You need to stay away from it. Because it's going to bring destruction to your life. So now he's going to warn us how to stay away from it. So look with me at verses 7 through 14. Therefore, hear me now, my children... And do not depart from the words of my mouth. Renew your, remove your way far from her. Do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the cruel one. Lest aliens be filled with your wealth and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And you mourn at last when your flesh and your body is consumed. And you say... How I hated instruction, and my heart despised correction. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. I was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of the assembly and the congregation. Okay, so let's again notice verse 7 through 8. Again, there is an exhortation to listen that is repeated. An exhortation to listen that is repeated. And here's what he says. Once again, Solomon urges his son to listen to the words of his instruction. Listen to the words of his instruction. Listen to her. Listen to him. Pay particular attention when it comes to this issue. 
you and I need to recognize that this is an issue that is serious. And a lot of times we won't talk about it. Have you noticed that? We won't talk about it. In fact, I was just thinking about this the other day. I was I do a lot of praying in the shower when I take a shower and, and I was thinking about my sons. And I've got one son now that is ten, soon to be eleven, he's in that teenage years. And I thought, you know, I'm gonna to have to start thinking here momentarily. And I say momentarily because that's exactly what it is, isn't it? Momentarily. About having a talk with him. You know, I mentioned that book, Every Man's Battle. There's another book that's a follow-up book, Preparing Your Son for Every Man's Battle. And I have a copy of it downstairs, and I had in my thoughts and my mind was, you know what, I need to pull that book out and take a look at it. Am I, am I ready to go through that with my son? Because... Like Solomon is doing here, I've got to warn, I, the impetus is on me to warn my son about the world in which we live in, about the dangers that are out there. My friends, you have the impetus is on you, whether you're a grandparent, whether you're a parent, to warn your children about the wicked world in which we live in. It's out there. You see it on your TVs. It's on billboards all around us. MTV communicates this theme all the time. Just do what you want to do. Have fun. In fact, can I be honest with you? Let me help you just to realize how dangerous the world we live in today. Do you know that there's something among teenagers today called recreational sex? Have you guys heard about that? Do you know what recreational sex is? Here's what recreational sex is. This will be seem foreign to you guys because maybe when you were growing up, the concept of sex was reserved for the person you loved. That is not true anymore today. Recreational sex is simply having sex for the fun of it. It doesn't matter who it's with. There's a term that's called buddies with benefits. And it's a sexual thing. That is the world in which we live in. Solomon is saying to his son, listen to me. My friends, you know what? We have to take from that passage that we have a responsibility to say to our children, what? Listen to me. There maybe was a time when you could just kind of ignore it. But can I be honest with you? We don't live in that time anymore. We don't live in that time anymore. And if you want to preserve your children, I mean, you're doing what you can to preserve them from other things in their life, like disease and things like that. You've got to learn to protect them from this one, too. And so he makes the point here to, for his son to listen to the words of his instruction. Now, maybe I've made you feel uncomfortable. I'm sorry, but you maybe need to feel uncomfortable. It's time for us to wake up to the reality of the world around us. It's time for us to wake up to that world. And we need to take time to talk to our children about it. So here's what Solomon said to his child. Listen, look at verse 8. Remove your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house. Here's what he's saying. He says this. Solomon urged his son to avoid this woman at all costs. Listen, that's what we've got to do. We've got to do that in our life. We've got to communicate that to our children. Do everything possible to stay away from this stuff. Do everything possible to stay away from this kind of person. 
Hey, they're out there. They're out there. What do you mean they're out there, George? I think it's very clear that in Romans it talks about those who will be judged not just for their involvement in sin, but because they enjoyed leading others into it. What were you going to say, Joy? Yep, that's exactly right. They'll come into your home to get them. They'll come into your home. Listen, you got, some of you got, got daughters. Okay, got daughters. Let me just wake you up to a reality. Most guys want a good Christian girl. Most guys want a good Christian girl, don't they? Mm-hmm. Because they know she's been brought up right. And you need to be aware. You need to be aware. I'm not saying sit on the porch with a shotgun. Okay? Okay. <laughs> But you, you've, you've got to, you, there, there, listen, you've got to do what you've got to do to communicate because the world will take them. The world will take them. So he says for them to avoid, avoid this woman at all costs. Don't hang out where she hangs out at. Hey, can I be honest with you? Here, when I read this passage, here's what I get out of this passage. Here, this kind of just kind of comes out at me from the from between the lines that men are dumb. Some of you ladies I already know that, but I'm serious. Men are dumb because here's why men are dumb. Men think they're strong enough to handle anything. Men think they're strong enough to handle anything. And especially in verse 8, he's saying to his son, you're not smart enough, you're not strong enough to handle it. You just avoid it. You avoid it. In fact, in fact, that's a principle you see throughout the Scripture. The Scripture does not say stand in the face of temptation. The Scripture says flee from temptation. Jesus, in his model prayer, did not say, pray, Lord, give me strength to stand in the face of temptation. He said, Lord, lead me not into temptation. The, the, the focus of verse 8 is, is that you and I are to avoid this issue at all costs. Set up boundaries, do what it takes, do what it takes. You know what? Billy Graham is coming to the end of his life now. And I think there's every one of us here that would recognize that Billy Graham, whether you agree with his ministry or not, actually, I agree with his ministry. You say, why do you agree with his ministry? Well, during his crusades, he led a couple to Christ. That couple had a son who then was ultimately instrumental in my coming to Christ. So I don't have a problem with Billy Graham. I don't have a problem with Billy Graham. But one thing you can say about Billy Graham is that he was marked by what? Integrity in ministry. And you know what? When he started out in ministry, all the way back in the 40s, there was something called the Modesto Manifesto, where the key men of the Billy Graham Association sat down and they came up with four things that would distinguish them as evangelists. One of them was is that they would never be alone with another woman or have dinner with another woman other than their wife, period. That was their decision then, and that held through to that. Why? 
because of verse 8. Because of verse 8. He tells his son, avoid this woman at all costs. So then verse 9 through 14 then, he gives us the consequences of adultery. Listen to the consequences. You know what? Again, the world says do it. The Bible says look what happens when you do it. The world says do it. The scripture tells you what happens. And listen, this was written 3,000 years ago. As we read this, isn't it true even today? Listen, first of all, verse 9, he tells us the loss of honor. The result, the result of adultery is the loss of honor and integrity. The result of adultery is the loss of honor and integrity. You know, just a few years ago, there was a big debate. You know, Bill Clinton was discovered to have been in adultery. Now, whether you like Bill Clinton or not, I'm, this is not a political issue. I'm not going to talk about that aspect of it. But I want you to understand something. What I heard on the news was that that's his private life that has nothing to do with his public service. And maybe you bought that line. But I'm going to tell you something. Verse 9 tells us is it's not just his private life. It affects his public service. Why? Because the result of adultery is the loss of honor and integrity. When he was discovered in that, he lacked integrity. You say, what do you mean by that? If he was not faithful to his wife, do you think he'll be faithful to you and I? The closest person to you in your life is your spouse, is it not? Everybody recognize that? The closest person to you in your life is your spouse. If you are not, do not have integrity in that aspect, you don't have integrity anywhere else. And so the result of adultery is the loss of honor and integrity. Look, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the cruel one. What's he talking about here? You give your honor to others. Well, look, every time they talk about you now, they'll talk about what? What happened? In fact, every time Bill Clinton's mentioned, they always talk about what? Monica Lewinsky. And when it says here, notice what it says. It's very literal here. And your years to the cruel one, that means that the rest of your life will be given to what? That problem. That indiscretion. The result of that sin. Verse 10 also tells us something. Lest aliens be filled with your wealth and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. There's a loss of prosperity. So here's what he says. Solomon points out that you will lose money because of the woman. Boy, how true! You say, what do you mean, lose money because of the woman? Hey, let me tell you something. Divorce costs. Divorce costs. And you know what? It's not just a one-time lawyer fee either. It continually costs financially. It continually costs. It continually costs. There's a loss of prosperity because of it. There's a loss of prosperity. Let me go on because we want to be sure we get through our lesson today. There's a loss of health. Look at verse 11. 
He says this, Solomon points out the effect of adultery on the body physically and emotionally. Look at verse 11. And you mourn at last, and your flesh and your body are consumed. It affects you emotionally and as well health-wise. Here's one aspect of health-wise. It's called STDs. It's called sexually transmitted diseases. They're very real. They're very real. So there's a loss of health. Then there's remorse. Look at verse 12 and 13. And I say, How I hated instruction, and my heart despised correction. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. Adultery will result in regret and remorse over one's sin. Adultery will result in regret and remorse over one's sin. Look, I've already talked to you. I've had people come to me and say to me, George, I am sorry that I ever entered into this. They're, they're, they look at their life now and they realize that they made a big mistake. The problem was is that there was somebody there beforehand who told them, don't go there. Don't go there. In fact, in, in both instances of these cases, I knew there was. I knew there was someone saying, don't go down that road. But guess what they chose to do? When someone was communicating wisdom to them, what were they doing? Ignoring it, rejecting it. Because ignoring is really rejecting. Ignoring is really rejecting. They were rejecting wisdom. But now that it's happened, now that they're facing the consequences of it, they live with remorse, they live with the pain of saying, oh, if I had only had not done this. Oh, if I had only had not done this. Only if I had not done this. And then verse 14 tells us the very real aspect of what happens here, the issue of shame. Here's what he says. Finally, adultery will result in shame before God's people. Finally, adultery will result in shame before God's people. Shame's very real, isn't it? And there's an aspect where it stays with you. Now, you know what? Even you could be in a wonderful church where they forgive you, but the fact that it remains, you'll still feel the shame. And it won't even have to be because of them. They could have forgotten it and moved on. You could even move into a whole new church where they don't even know it. You'll still feel the shame. You'll still feel the shame. Because you know it. Because you know it. Then look at verses 15 to 23 and we'll finish up with, with this. Here's an exhortation to find contentment at home. You know what? If we're going to win the battle against adultery, if we're going to win the battle against the seductress or seductorer, if we're going to make sure that we avoid this, we've got to find contentment at home. That's the key. The key is contentment at home. So look with me at verse uh, 15 through 23. Drink water from your own cistern and running water from your own well. Should your fountains be dispersed abroad, streams of water in the streets? Let them be only let let them be only your own, not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth as a loving deer in a graceful doe. Let her breath satisfy you at all times, and always be enraptured with her love. And why should you, my son, be enraptured by an immoral woman and be embraced in the arms of a seductress? For the ways of men are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. 
his own iniquities entrap the wicked men, wicked man, and he is caught in the cords of his sin. He shall die for the lack of instruction, and in the greatness of his folly he shall go astray. First thing I want you to notice is in verse 15 through 17, he says to find satisfaction at home. Find satisfaction at home. First thing Solomon does is this. He tells his son to find sexual satisfaction at home. Find sexual satisfaction at home. Find it at home. Drink from your... What he's giving us here is a word picture. Uh, This word picture actually has some sexual overtones to it. I won't go into those very much. But the whole point is, is drink water from your own cistern. Be refreshed from the well that's at home. Be refreshed from the well that is at home. And then he goes on and says, in verse 16, Should moral purity be lost in the streets? Should moral purity be lost in the streets? He wants to make that point. See, when you and I go out of our home, out beyond looking for sexual satisfaction in our own relationships or whatever, we are really losing our moral purity in the streets. It's like pouring our water out in the streets. It's not right. So then he makes this point. We see it then in verse 18 and 19, excuse me, verse 17, 16 and 17. Find sexual satisfaction at home, not with another woman. Find sexual satisfaction at home, not with another woman. You need to find it at home. Uh, can, I, can I be honest with you? Add to that. Last line there. Find sexual satisfaction at home, not with another woman or man, for you ladies here. Not with another woman or man. Find your satisfaction at home. That's the point he's making here. Then, verse he gets a little bit more specific in verse 18 and 19. and says, find your satisfaction in your wife. Here's what he's saying. The proper action is to find pleasure in a fulfilled marriage. The proper action is to find pleasure in a fulfilling marriage. Let me just stop for a moment. I've got to make this point. A couple of weeks ago, maybe it was three weeks ago, I talked about in, in the morning message that we're, you know, we are indebted to Christ, therefore we must live by the Spirit rather than by our flesh. Well, it's an interesting thing happened to me. I was still thinking about that passage, and the Holy Spirit began to speak to me about my marriage. And he said, George, are you walking by the Spirit or walking by the flesh with relationship to your marriage? I thought, oh, next subject, Lord. See, the whole aspect of finding fulfillment in your marriage is to be led by the Spirit. Because when you talk about being led by the Spirit, immediately your mind goes to Ephesians chapter 5. Where he says... First of all, you know, the, be not drunk with wine, but be what filled with the Spirit. And then he talks about the results of that in verses 21 and on, where he talks a lot to the guys, talks about walking, being filled with the Spirit in your marriage. Which means giving up what I want for her. Or for you ladies, giving up what you want for him. And so what Solomon is telling us here is proper action is to find pleasure in a fulfilling marriage. 
Then he goes on, the husband should be captivated by the love of his wife. You and I need to be captivated by our spouses. Captivated by our spouses. And then verse 20 to 23, we're going to go through some quick points here. The folly of adultery. He's going to make a point here to show us the folly of adultery. And here's what he says. First of all, he asks a question. Solomon points out that true intimacy is not found in the arms of a seductress. True intimacy is not going to be found in somebody else. Let me just go ahead and say that. Maybe you're struggling right now in your marriage and you're wondering, well, they just don't understand me. I just don't feel loved. I don't feel, I don't feel fulfilled or whatever. Can I be honest with you? Then you need to work on it because marriage is work. Because I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to find it somewhere else. Or the world will offer it. The world will offer it. But the reality is, it is not fulfilling. It is not fulfilling. It won't fulfill you. In fact, it will make you even more empty. It will make you even more empty. And then notice the awareness of God. Verse 21 is something that you and I both need to be aware of. It's that nothing is hidden from the awareness of God. God sees everything. Nobody else may know. But God sees it. He knows everything. And then notice the result. Verse 22 and 23. Adultery results in bondage. Adultery results in bondage. Notice what he says. His own iniquities entrap the wicked man, and he is caught in the cords of his sin. It results in bondage. You are in bondage when you go into this. And then finally, verse 23. Adultery results in the ruin of of the individual. Adultery results in the ruin of the individual. Notice what he says, verse 23. He shall die for the lack of instruction, and in the greatness of his folly, he shall go astray. It'll result in ruin. It'll result in ruin. Okay, now, what do we do, what do, we do with this? Where do we go with what we've just studied here today? A couple of things I want you to take away from this. Number one, guard yourself. Guard yourself. You say, what do you mean? It'll never happen to me. Don't ever say that. I don't care how old you are. You may be Methuselah's age. You better watch out. You better watch out. Given the right circumstances, the right situation, you could easily fall. Can I tell you, there's a digression. You just don't wake up and decide to have an affair. You slowly go into it. And it starts with a drop in your spiritual life. So guard yourself. Number two, the other thing I want you to take away from here is recognize your responsibility to instruct others. Recognize your responsibility to instruct others to guard themselves, especially your children. Let's pray.